hard-hitting medical truth, cutting through conflict and confusion to the understanding you're searching for. Join Dr. Peter McCullough, world-renowned medical expert and practicing physician for this edition of the McCullough Report. Your life may depend on it. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. And I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I have a wonderful show for you. I wanted the first segment to be an academic update for you, uh, given the rapidity of new data that's coming out on COVID-19. The first paper I want to quote is from Joshua Gans and colleagues, published in JAMA in the January 7th, 2022 issue. Title of the paper, False Positive Results in Rapid Antigen Test for SARS-CoV-2. This is a large workplace study, 903,408 rapid tests were conducted. The yield of getting a positive test result was 0.15%. The number of false positives uh, was roughly 42% uh, with, uh, uh, you know, by confirmation of PCR, no mention of clinical illness. So I wanted you to uh, be aware of that one. Uh, the next is a paper on testing from uh, Dr. Akashi uh, and colleagues uh, published in JAMA, uh, February 3rd, 2022, titled the paper, SARS-CoV-2 Infections in Close Context of Positive Cases in the Olympic and Paralympic Village uh, in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics. Uh, they screened approximately 11,000 participants in the Olympic Village with uh, PCR testing. The yield was uh, 0.44% confirmed positive, no mention of clinical illness. And uh, the last paper I want to uh, bring to your attention is by Emily Schultz uh, and colleagues. This uh, was published in the February 9th, 2022 issue of JAMA Open Network, titled the paper, Comparison of SARS-CoV-2 Test Positivity in NCAA Division I Student Athletes versus Non-Athletes at 12 Institutions. Bottom line is, among all student athletes, uh, the test positivity rate was 0.44%, less than 1%, and for non-athletes, is 0.88%. And I'd say the conclusion of all three of these studies is that asymptomatic testing, uh, which is off-label, it's not uh, cleared for any assay by the FDA, it's not recommended uh, as a broad measure by the CDC or the World Health Organization. But asymptomatic testing uh, and these uh, three high quality papers show very low yield, less than 1%. And even when it's positive, it's likely to be false positive and no mention of clinical illness. So I think at this point in time, it's clear that all asymptomatic testing should be dropped and we should move uh, on to uh, normalcy with respect to testing. Testing should only be done uh, in the setting of uh, acute illness and the indication is to use a PCR or antigen test as a diagnostic aid uh, in making the diagnosis of COVID-19. Next two papers have to do with immunity. First paper is by Jennifer Alejo. It was published uh, in the February 3rd issue of JAMA, titled the paper, uh, Prevalence and Durability of SARS-CoV-2 Antibodies Among Unvaccinated U.S. Adults by history of COVID-19. Here they used an antibody assay against the receptor body domain, a very high quality assay. And what they found is among those who were COVID recovered, 99% had these antibodies. 
of those suspected COVID recovered, 55% had these antibodies. No prior COVID uh, by history, 11% had these antibodies. So these are reassuring that when someone has a prior history of COVID-19, that <coughs> indeed they can be uh, assured that they have antibodies as a proxy for the total uh, immune response. We know in a paper from Hakeem and colleagues last year that there are antibodies known against at least 15 proteins in SARS-CoV-2. There's probably more antigenic proteins there, probably two dozen total, but 15 uh, measurable, and that there's robust uh, T cell, natural killer cell immunity uh, that occurs after the respiratory infection. Uh, next paper uh, was published by um, a study group in Qatar, and uh, this just hit the uh, wires, New England Journal of Medicine, February 9th, 2022. Titled the research letter is called Protection Against Omicron Variant from Previous SARS-CoV-2 Infections. Uh, broadly, prior infection had about a 90% protection against uh, Omicron, and that um, uh, uh, that uh, protection against reinfection with the Omicron was approximately 60%, but still considerable. Uh, the hospitalization or death uh, caused by reinfection was um, uh, well protected against across uh, the range of alpha, beta, delta, and Omicron. And so what you need to know there is uh, protection against severe, critical, or fatal COVID-19, 69% for prior alpha, 88% for beta, 100% for prior Delta infection, and 87.9% uh, for Omicron. What you need to know here is basically these reinfection cases are not well substantiated, uh, but it's reassuring uh, to understand that prior infection uh, fundamentally seals the deal in terms of uh, making one quite confident that they are not going to uh, have a serious illness with COVID-19. Clearly, these numbers are far better than anything we see with natural immunity. Um, the uh, final paper I want to mention was actually in the political journal, The Hill. Last year, I was a regular contributor in The Hill. And then this paper published by Jeffrey Klosner and Noah Kojima, uh, dated uh, February 3rd, 2022. Title of the paper is... Uh, the CDC is finally recognizing natural immunity. Legislators should follow suit. Uh, and uh, the bottom line is there was a CDC report that indicated that once we got into the uh, Omicron outbreak, that uh, natural immunity was far better than anything they could calculate with vaccine immunity. Remember, vaccine uh, efficacy can really only be calculated for randomized trials. And then once we get into observational data, certainly protection against hospitalization, uh, in my view, is just not valid. And the reason why these hospitalization claims, uh, you see them all the time, that, uh, uh, that a vaccine uh, is purported to have a vaccine efficacy of 85% against hospitalization Many papers have shown that in the United States. The reason why these are not valid is as follows. Uh, first, the data are not randomized. Number two, there's selection bias. People who elect to take vaccines are healthier than those who don't take vaccines. Number three, uh, that the reason why they're in the hospital is not adjudicated. And we know 40 to 60 percent of all COVID positive patients in the hospital are not there uh, for COVID-19 reasons. Uh, number uh, five, 
that uh, we have differential testing. Uh, the unvaccinated are tested to a much greater extent according to CDC guidelines than the vaccinated. All these work to create the false illusion that COVID-19 vaccination protects against hospitalization. We know this isn't true for the following reasons. In the randomized trials, there was no protection against hospitalization. And then when we look uh, in Europe and fairly across uh, studies in Europe, uh, where they have much better uh, databasing uh, in the UK, Germany, uh, Denmark, South Africa, Israel, uh, the vast majority of individuals in the hospital with Omicron now are uh, fully vaccinated, even with boosters or double boosters. So uh, it's clear that the claims in the United States that our vaccines protect against hospitalization, but they don't protect against hospitalization elsewhere, are not tenable. Uh, this show brings the return of the McCullough Report music segment. Uh, this has come in from Katie Hibben. The title of the piece is called The Innocent Ones, and you can think about uh, how the children, uh, innocent, and maybe even our seniors being innocent victims of SARS-CoV-2 uh, pandemic crisis and then the vaccination mandates and lockdowns in crisis. And this came in from Katie herself. Let's have a listen. Runs out on you. 
That's Katie Hibben. And the innocent ones will fly. They're going to come marching to your door. Let's hope they don't. Powerful lyrics. By the way, she plays the guitar herself. Uh, I'll provide the link to the YouTube video, which is really powerful. I just want to have one additional brief clip. I was asked this week uh, uh, by Laura Ingram on the Ingram Angle. I think a pretty important question regarding the innocent ones. And here was Laura's question. Dr. McCullough, would you recommend that any child without a pre-existing condition or just any child of decent health get these vaccines at this point? Yes or no? No. And the data, there's a paper from MNWR, end of December, from the CDC, the safety data, children ages 5 to 11, Laura, it doesn't look good. Uh, it looks like the serious conditions for the first time now, we're seeing heart injury in children before puberty. Uh, they should not be given under any circumstances. Dr. McCullough, uh, you've been courageous, brave, and uh, most always right. So thank you so much. You know, I can tell you that... Uh, Laura Ingram, uh, you may say, is uh, in a sense, she's uh, friendly territory for media, but she's uh, been insightful all the way through, as well as Tucker Carlson. Fox News has, has a panel of medical contributors, of which I'm one, but I'm not the only one. And I think has more fair balance, uh, a better breadth of opinions that uh, fairly give uh, analyses of data uh, in a way for America to understand that there's more than one way to interpret what's going on in our country with respect to the pandemic response. Well, we have a terrific show this week. I invite uh, urgently to the microphone, Dr. Roger Hodgkinson, who's a pathologist in Canada, and Dr. Paul Alexander, who's a PhD epidemiologist, evidence-based medicine specialist. Paul's been on the McCullough Report before. They are gonna report in from Ottawa, Ontario, where there is a historical event going on, a trucker's convoy, which essentially has shut down Canada, uh, working uh, every single line of communication to have uh, the provincial and overall government authorities drop all mandates and have the country re restored to normalcy. And then after that, we go over to Mainz, Germany, and I invite for the first time Dr. Christoph Ploth, who is a physician in Germany, uh, he's been an expert on pandemic response, and he gives us some insights about how Germans feel about mandates, what are they doing within the realm of what's legal in their country to express their views on where the country should be going with pandemic response. So a great show for you, uh, and that'll be on the backside. So let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. Healthy Cell uh, harnesses the power of gel. Now, this is next generation nutrient delivery technology. And the microgel, which is trademarked, is the next generation nutrient delivery technology replacing tablets, capsules, and powders. This unique technology, formulated by world leading nutritional scientists, ensures maximum absorption into the body by releasing extremely small ultra bioavailable soluble nutrient particles into the digestive tract. You know, so many of these vitamin pills are these large chalky pills or they're uh, uh, capsules that uh, look like they're almost packed with unreliable types of 
uh, micronutrients, not true for healthy cell. Healthy cell comes in a ready uh, to use pack, almost like a pack you'd use for a 5K or 10K race. The science has proven that the nutrients must be soluble. That is dissolvable in water or oil to be absorbed. Uh, healthy cell breakthrough nutrient delivery system releases extremely small, soluble, ultra bioavailable nutrient particles into the digestive tract. From there, they can be absorbed into the bloodstream and then into cells uh, in order to do their work. And how this works is that there are uh, fat soluble micronutrients uh, that are dissolved in natural oils. And then there are water soluble uh, micronutrients and vitamins. And then the, these two components come into uh, a stable emulsion in a fully soluble, uh, what's called micelles. These are encapsulate the nutrients for maximum absorption. That's what you get with healthy cell. And the natural taste of these is wonderful. We use them in my house, particularly in the senior citizens in my house. And I'm worried that A, they have deficiencies of micronutrients, B, they inadequately absorb micronutrients, and then C, their overall cellular processes are slower and I think are more, uh, in a sense, uh, microbiologically frail. And that's part of the senescent process. So I think for the elderly, the healthy cell technology far and away beats tablet or capsule technology for vitamins and micronutrients. So go check it out. Go to HealthyCell.com and in the promotion, promotional code, type in out loud for 20% off your first purchase. But check it out. Uh, they come in boxes of the gel packs and so you can buy a, a box. Last you for a month or more. Uh, wonderful to have in the house and use to get as healthy as possible. So go to HealthyCell.com. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report, and I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I have a great pleasure and actually exciting opportunity to interview two doctors who have been on the scenes at the uh, well-publicized Canadian trucker rally and protest in Ottawa, Canada. Uh, well, one is Dr. Roger Hodgkinson, who I'd like to introduce to the McCullough Report audience now. Dr. Hodgkinson received his equivalent of his undergraduate and medical training together, as is common in England, getting the MBBS degree uh, in medicine from Cambridge in the United Kingdom. He went on and trained in pathology at the University of British Columbia. Uh, he rose in the ranks at the University of, Al uh, of Alberta and was a chair of the Royal College of Pathology Examination section. He's uh, run major oh, laboratory operations at a major biotech company. And uh, it's a great pleasure to welcome him to the McCullough Report. And with him has a former contributor to the McCullough Report, Dr. Paul Alexander. Paul Alexander has uh, most recently been uh, advisor to the White House on pandemic response, as well to the World Health Organization, formerly at uh, the University of uh, McMaster. Uh, welcome both to the McCullough Report. Thank you, Peter. It's an honor to be on your show. Thanks, Dr. McCullough, Paul Alexander. It's what a privilege again. Okay, quickly, uh, Roger, why don't we start with you first? Uh, give us uh, uh, the audience a quick context and what's exactly transpired over the last week or so in Ottawa. Ottawa has never seen a demonstration of this size since the troops came home from World War II. It is gigantic, it's energetic, it's going nowhere. It's been here for a week demanding change. And no matter what 
the city and the government is thrown at the truckers. It is their show. We are here. We are winning because we have not moved. And nothing will be moved until there is total capitulation, not a negotiation of meeting out this benefit and that. This is a major public health issue that is not just for the truckers. The truckers were the brave guys that got us here. This is really beyond the truckers. It's beyond Ottawa. It's beyond Canada. It's international now. This is an infection. This is a pandemic of the truckers that's infected the whole world. This is a stand for democracy. And it's so terribly important that this wins because the world is watching. Democracy itself is at stake here. And I say thank goodness for Omicron, for, for, the, for COVID-19, because COVID-19 is the point of the spear that we now have something to react to. That's how significant this is. Institutions are falling, countries are falling, people are resigning. This is going to be one. How the landscape looks when it's over remains to be seen, but this is winning. Wow, Dr. Hodgkinson, those are incredible words. Paul, what was your uh, message to the crowds as I saw you up on the stage in Ottawa? Well, I mean, and thanks very much again for having me. And uh, look, the core message is this. The truckers began this with a, uh, let's say, a gut feeling and basically saying, you know, it's common sense that uh, these mandates, we aren't vaccinated, but we are seeing that vaccinated people across the world are becoming infected. So why must we be stopped from entering to Canada and earning a living? And then even the Canadian truckers in Canada cannot even live in their own country and move around, go to the movies, go to the, the restaurant, go anywhere. So the, 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 the reason for us, people like Hodkinson, myself, Dr. Brittle, et cetera, is that we are saying this is beyond common sense by the trucker. And as we have seen, Dr. McCullough, it's about 10 to 15 scientists and doctors in the world for the last two years who've been on the forefront, you being one of them. And we were sitting back saying, no, we need to come to the table to show Canada and the world that these truckers are not just grounded in common sense, but 100% of the science in terms of the lack of validity of these vaccine mandates are on their side. We are that science. We are standing with them, making the case when we are asked to, to support the truckers. But as Hodkinson said, this is their show. We are not involved in the logistics. We are just asked repeatedly in the day to stand forward and discuss the science to support the trucker and the public, the public has been very receptive to us. It's a lot of peace and love on the street, no violence. And we've actually worked very well with the police, but there's a lot of politics at play here and uh, it's beginning to get a, a little more tense. So we are very concerned, but we are taking actions now to protect everyone involved. So Roger, tell me the significance of the truckers. Why truckers as opposed to machinists or lawyers or doctors or teachers? Why truckers? Why are they such an important group? Well, this is the miracle that's happening here, Peter. Revolutions are messy. They're unpredictable. We tried physicians, um, some politicians, um, tried to change things for a, a year, two years, and we barely moved the needle. What it took were guys 
was guys with dirty fingernails to take the lead and get attention, threaten the very supply chain of a country. And they did get attention. It grew like wildfire over a period of just two to three weeks. The, the, the GoFundMe at denying access to funding was an incredible opportunity for us. It was free marketing. The donations have continued to pour in. There is so much money in the kitty. There's so many supplies on the ground. Everything is in place to stay as long as it takes. And I must tell you this, it's not getting into the mainstream media, but just about every major crossing between the States and Canada is currently blocked not just by truckers, but by farmers. There are no boats blockading, I believe, Halifax Harbor. The indigenous people are ready to block the railroad. Unions. And the unions are on side. This is just escalating in our favor day by day. The power is of this is unstoppable. The mood here is electric. Nothing like this has ever been seen before in Canadian history. I agree. You know, I grew up on the Canadian border and my wife's a Canadian, as I think both of you know. So uh, I'm actually on a trip right now. And half of us are Canadians, half of us are Americans. We're in the United States. Um, Paul, can you tell us what is uh, the request? What do the truckers want? What are they asking the government for? Well, principally, principally what they're asking for is uh, that the vaccine mandates and in fact, all mandates be dropped so that they can get their freedom again. That's the truckers coming at the border and those within Canada to live their lives freely with their humanity, et cetera, and to not be constrained by these vaccine mandates that prevents them from going anywhere. But particularly, uh, the key here is that this begun when uh, the Canadian government made a new requirement at the border that truckers coming from the United States to enter Canada needed to have been vaccinated. And whilst before, a couple months before that, they were allowing truckers who were not vaccinated to do a two-week quarantine, present a negative test, retest while there, etc. All of that fell to the side. The government went very draconian and said, none of that. If you come to the border, you, you're not vaccinated, you cannot enter Canada. And that was, they pushed the truckers too far because a lot of these American truckers depend on the Canadian market to survive. And most of the Canadian market inside of Canada depends on the goods that they are bringing. So this is a catastrophic situation that the government placed the truckers in. And, um, and now they, the demand is simple. They want those vaccine mandates dropped they want all of those demands dropped and um, they're very willing. This is the key. They're very willing to have an open, embracive discussion with the federal government because it's a federal government issue. And we, myself, Hodkinson, et cetera, because we are Canadian and we happen to have stepped forward and say, we want to help, that they want us to be their science to help them at the table uh, negotiate and discuss with the federal government officials. And that's the issue. Do you know that on this issue of the McCullough report, I interview Christoph Pluff from uh, Mainz, Germany. And do you know in the German mainstream media, they are falsely reporting 
that the truckers in Canada are protesting icy road icy road conditions. <laughs> the, the mainstream media has downplayed everything. There's very little play, despite the scale of these demonstrations in Ottawa, Peter. There is not a single main, mainstream media camera here for two for, for one solid week. Not a single camera. They've been evading I, the issue because, of course, they've been bribed into silence. Um, our prime minister has been feeding a lot of money to the major media companies uh, to stay afloat because it's a dying industry. And uh, they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. Well, I can tell you that certainly in the United States, Fox News, through multiple um, shows, I was just on with Dan Bongino this weekend. He had a big segment on exactly what's going on there. And particularly, he addressed uh, Prime Minister Trudeau's comments that this was about racism and about all these different groups and what a false comment uh, that was, a false representation of what was going on. I can tell you that um, uh, many other of the American outlets are carrying this across. Uh, I will be on to, uh, in, a, in a few hours with Newsmax and others. Uh, podcaster Joe Rogan, who's come under tremendous attack after interviews with myself and Robert Malone, has basically said on his podcast that Canada right now is in revolt. So yes. uh, Rogan continues with his broad audience, which is actually many times greater than CNN, Fox, or any of the mainstream media, has, uh, I think, clearly told America what's going on. Now, uh, Paul, can you tell me, uh, I didn't realize this, that some of the truckers up there are American. They're not Canadian. Can you tell me the breakdown, what you think Canadian, they're Canadian American truckers? I, I think the breakdown right now here is about 80, 20 from talking to people. And why that has happened is um, when the government made that move, a lot of American truckers were actually in Canada already. And uh, so a lot of them have remained who were here to join with the Canadian truckers to wage this battle. So, and they know if they stepped out, they will not be able to come back in. So, so everything is at a standstill right now. You have tens of thousands of trucks in, in Ottawa parked idling. I mean, it's very cold. And, it's, and the touching thing, Dr. McCullough, is that in the back of the rig, in that cabin, I went up into one of them about three days ago. And I saw besides the male trucker, there was a female sitting in the back of the rig with two little children on the bed. And he told me, you know, this is his wife and these are his kids and she's schooling them three and four years old. And, and, and they explained that this truck is their life and their home. And they, they travel as a family whenever overnight she drives while he sleeps, etc. So this is a massive, massive situation we deal. This is a like a humanitarian situation. A lot of these truckers, the diesel that they're burning right now to stay idling today is all that they have. So it's a terrible situation, especially last night when the police in Ottawa moved to confiscate diesel because there are little children in those rigs. And what the people don't understand that there are whole families in the back of those trucks. So it's terrible what's happening. So Roger, right. how has, um, how have the truckers received uh, you? And I, I saw Dr. Bridal, Dr. Panas, Dr. Alexander, how have they received uh, the scientists? I, I feel like in many ways you've been leading this charge for the last two years uh, on your own, but now it looks like you have broad support from the common man. How have you been accepted by the group? 
Peter, when, when Paul and I walk along the street, we're recognized. We're stopped every two minutes for a heartfelt thank you with a glove off, with a photograph asked for. It happens repetitively. The mood is so positive and appreciative, you cannot imagine. But I, I want to say something, Peter, about Americans observing Canada. We're, we're seen as a very nice country. In fact, as a, as a physician, I think there's a Canadian disease. It's called the terminal nice syndrome. But you can push this country just too far before it reacts. And when it reacts, watch out. You don't poke the bear. The bear's been poked. And the bear's coming at this government, and they don't know what to do because of the scale of it. Everything that they do as a reaction plays into our hands. And so I'd love to be a fly on the wall right now in the prime minister's office. They are panicking, and that is excellent. And, and, and Dr. Dr. McCullough, the key here is the only thing that they can try to do is to put out false reports about this has a lot of unrest and truckers badly behaved and stuff. I can tell you from being here now, this is my eighth day. That's a lie. Everything is a lie. It is misinformation and misleading the public. We are here. The, I, I can't tell you, I've seen no arrests, etc. no violence, no nothing. When we stand up in front of tens of thousands of people on top of Parliament Hill, it is like a big celebration. And what is shocking, though, is when people walk up to us and say, what you just said the first time I've ever heard it. And it really makes us understand that Canadians have been shut out for two years from even the most basic science and information on COVID. And uh, we are actually educating the public for the first time whilst we have these truckers. And that's our role. Dr. M Dr. Hodkinson and me, we are not involved in the, uh, the logistic planning of the, the truck captains, but we are there in the meetings, scientists, scientists, and we speak when we are asked to speak. But so I, I, I want you to, people to understand that we have a clear, defined role. We're not politicians in this. We, we, we come here as scientists. We're in the war room, Peter, on a daily basis in a supporting cast. But what we are seeing is an incredible organization. This isn't just some ragtag team of, of truckers. The truckers are extremely well represented. They're, they're very articulate. They have specialists in all the necessary areas, manage, managing logistics, managing the, the legal side of things, communication strategy, et cetera, et cetera. On, on the ground, it's an incredibly organized protest that's coming together. We're still here. We're going nowhere. And this coming weekend is going to be a huge rally, like, like nothing like the others. It's going to be a rock star stage, fireworks. Brian Peckford is coming in, the ex-premier of Newfoundland, one of the, the last remaining uh, living Canadian who signed the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. It's going to be a huge party this coming And further endorsement of how positive everyone is feeling here in what amounts to essentially the defense of democracy. Well, you know, it seems like 
the Canadian government has got nowhere to go because if they try to arrest the truckers or tow the trucks or uh, stop the diesel supply line, they're fundamentally going to work to shut down the transit of goods and supply chain across Canada. Isn't it true that the majority of goods and food and everything that gets distributed gets distributed by trucking? These truckers are bringing this country to its knees. They are a vital element in the survival of this government. We've already seen the leader of the opposition fall. We're now looking forward very much to the fall of Justin Trudeau and then have his successor lift the mandates. That is what we expect to happen. Well, I'll let that be the last word. Dr. Hodgkin, Dr. Alexander, thank you so much for joining yes. me on McCullough Report. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, Peter. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is a McCullough Report. The spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America Out Loud. We are the voice of a nation, the American nation, that is. This is Malcolm Out Loud. I invite you back to AmericaOutloud.com, where the fight for liberty and justice continues. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Healthy Cell REM Sleep Supplement. I just had one last night. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. I got up. I had the most restful sleep. I tell you, I really believe in this supplement. It works wonderfully. Healthy Cell REM Sleep Supplement. It has a whole blend, a more comprehensive blend of various micronutrients and elements that are critical for the normal sleep architecture. Even when you sleep normally and have healthy sleep, which includes REM and non-REM sleep, you are so rested and feel so well the next day when you wake up. And that's how I feel right now. Cup of coffee, doing the McCullough Report. So go to HealthyCell.com and in the promo section, type in out loud for 20% off your next order of Healthy Cell. Let's get real, let's get loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. Because of COVID-19, many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 112 times per month. But by simply keeping our immune system strong, we can stay healthy and put our worries at ease. One little known way to do this is by taking AC11, a patented supplement from a plant in the Amazon rainforest. Studied for over 20 years and backed by over 40 scientific peer-reviewed studies, Taking AC11 has been proven to extend the life of immune cells called leukocytes, allowing you to boost immunity naturally. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of AC11. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report. And I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. It's my great pleasure to welcome to the show Dr. Christoph Ploth. Dr. Ploth uh, received his undergraduate degree from the University of Mainz in Germany. He went on to train in medicine uh, at the University of Wales in the United Kingdom. And he's now in uh, general practice in Germany. He has a focus on holistic medicine. And he's joined many of us uh, really as a clinical scholar in COVID-19. And I wanted him to make a few comments about 
how he got involved in COVID-19 and, uh, and then where we are with respect to uniting across the world with the World Council for Health. Dr. Ploth, welcome to the McCullough Report. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Um, uh, Professor McCullough. Um, it's a great honor to uh, speak with you here. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity. Yeah. Now, you've been a real beacon of uh, clinical scholarship, uh, particularly on uh, using the medical literature to help us uh, guide our thinking forward on COVID-19. How did you get into it with COVID-19? Well, um, I've always been interested in the science of health and I, I was involved in clinical research on, uh, uh, for example, the HPV vaccine um, and uh, was there in, uh, involved in safety trials. And uh, there had been many questions throughout my training and afterwards uh, when it comes to the focus uh, of our healthcare system. So I got quite irritated when right from the beginning of um, the, the events um, around COVID-19, uh, the only thing that was mentioned in all the official statements that we were given was that the pandemic would be over if a vaccine is present, which I found particularly odd because there had been no uh, race in medications, no race in understanding disease in all these uh, official guidelines. Um, the talk was just about the vaccine. That, that made me suspicious right from the beginning. And in 2020, um, we already had involved, have been involved in many, many treatment protocols as yourself, uh, as you have so wonderfully published in May 2020, uh, um, the first concise summary of good treatments. And I was surprised when giving an evidence, um, a talk in front of the Italian Senate about uh, my findings on um, health uh, prevention, diet, and uh, um, uh, and um micronutrients, um, that the, all the data was there that basically since May 2020, there had been efficient treatment protocols in treatment in, in the treatment of the disease uh, with 85-95% efficiency rate. And I was just shocked to the core that none of these um, um, conclusions, even whilst backup in science, had been implemented in the official treatment protocols in the healthcare systems all over the world. And in fact, I was really irritated when people um, presenting their data and their, especially their clinical experience, because I mean, where does data come from in the time of an emergency? You can't wait for a study to be published in six months or a year. You have to act that so many courageous clinicians all over the world started implementing their conclusions and were extremely successful, yet were banned and uh, criticized. And uh, I don't have to tell you the rest, um, what it meant for uh, their uh, clinical careers. Um, and had been um, uh, um, uh, really, um, <laughs> I'm in a lack of words for how they had been treated by their colleagues, uh, by the media and by the system. So there was this huge discrepancy in these two perspectives and um, uh, the evidence is growing that um, there is something um, not quite right in terms of efficiency and in terms of safety of all the um, measures that have been taken so far. And in fact, it's climbing up to um, 
uh, incredible proportions when looking at the overall death rate um, increasing. It was uh, two months ago around from the insurances around 40% and it became 140%. Now data from Holland shows almost a 260% increase. These numbers are unheard of. So we definitely have to look more into the safety of what we're doing because I think efficiency wise, we know from all the countries that have had the highest vaccinations rates, they have not only the highest incidence rates, but they also have as Israel now shows the highest death rates. So we should really um, get people together and discuss um, where our next steps will be. Uh, and certainly, in my opinion, at the moment, that's the conclusion that I have in talking to hundreds or thousands of people in the last two years. Um, we have all uh, the data, we have all the science, we have all the clinical um, experience to basically stop this right now. And uh, we should pause and take a good look at what um, uh, the medical system at the moment, the way it's currently operating, is doing to this health crisis. So, Christoph, did I hear this right? That actuarial mortality in uh, the Netherlands is also up. I, I knew about the US reports, and I think our audience did that the actuarial reports, and it's not due to COVID 19, the respiratory illness, that, that overall mortality is up, um, but it sounds like you're reporting Netherlands. Are there some other countries as well? Well, that's uh, that's uh, these are the numbers from a, um, um, a life insurance company in Holland, uh, which is um, also um, playing a big role in the States. But that was the number I was given a few days ago. Now, uh, how did you get involved in the World Council for Health? Well, I, um, uh, I started um, um, being an, uh, a, tra a translator in, uh, in several groups and then was invited to the World Council of Health. And now it was just um, um, uh, had the honor of being invited into the steering committee and then the science committee of the organization. And um, it, I'm involved in many groups all over the world, but um, the integrity and the, 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 the beautiful people involved in these groups are very, very moving and uh, they're very, very active people uh, that, <laughs> that really get into action when it comes to um, the challenge of our time. And you've recently moderated a broadcast that I reviewed this morning on World okay. Council for Health, and you did a, a wonderful job. Can you tell us a bit about their communications programs for the world? Well, at the moment, the World uh, Council for Health has uh, around a, a 130 coalition partners. So um, this is growing by, by the week, and uh, we hope to um, invite more and more um, people in our different committees. We have eight committees running at the moment on health and humanity law and activism, medical and legal, legal ethics, mind health, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we are having um, on our website, the worldcouncilforhealth.org, um, Protoc protocols for prevention, protocols for early treatment intervention. Uh, we have uh, protocols for spike uh, proteins. Um, and uh, we hope to inform the public uh, we are completely independent and completely funded by the public, by the way, and therefore open to donations all the time. And uh, we hope to involve like the last weekend. I don't know if you followed the, uh, the conference uh, we did over the, the weekend, the causation uh, conference, which was uh, yeah, which a was brilliant. Which was yeah, it was, yeah, it was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, so many interesting people from a legal perspective, from a medical perspective, 
and it was beautiful to see so many countries being involved and we hope to collect all the information everybody has got some experience that the other one didn't have and um, all the expertises from the different countries might uh, merge together in order to come with a legal and a medical strategy for um, uh, the near future right and christoph just for our audience uh, to understand that um, there has been a lot of work done both legally and from an epidemiologic perspective on the causation, meaning the vaccines actually causing fatal and non-fatal syndromes. And I encourage all of our audience to visit World Council for Health website. It's got a yellow and pink background. You'll find it on the internet. I'll provide the link in the recording notes. Thank and you. Uh, review some of these uh, important uh, events, basically, that recorded. They're very high quality. You've done a great job. And in fact, recently you have provided some commentary on the truckers rally in Ottawa. What's your viewpoint from Germany and what's going on in Canada? Well, I don't know how the press is uh, commenting on it uh, in the U.S. at the moment, but certainly in uh, in Germany or in the entire uh, Europe, uh, there's hardly any mentioning of that movement at all. There was uh, the press release that some truckers um, protested because of icy roads um, um, in Canada, which uh, is a little bit funny to think about that, but <laughs> that's, that's, that's about really? it. That, that, was, that was the commentary that they were protesting because of icy roads seriously well Christoph, i can tell you in the united states there's been much better coverage i was just on dan bongino show right. over the weekend and he had great coverage uh fox news newsmax uh oan they've had good coverage of what's going on uh, you know in our collaborative group uh dr paness dr alexander dr hodgkinson have really dr byron byron bridal they've uh, been up on the stage there. Uh, yeah. But uh, how is this being messaged out across the EU? I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, communications, does the EU understand or is the EU, do you think, having the same types of concerns regarding medical freedom as the Canadians are now expressing? Well, um, um, we should, and yet that always depends on whom you are asking. I mean, Ursula von der Leyen, the, the, the president of the European Union, uh, herself a medical doctor, is still um, uh, is still pushing for a mandatory vaccination um, throughout Europe. Uh, that's where we are uh, on the political side. But um, it's only through the social media, and it's uh, it's not for um, without uh, any particular reason that um, the German government wants to ban um, Telegram as a social media outlet at the moment, because that is still the only independent um, uh, way of communicating here. Um, and um, in these, you can see the interviews with Paul Alexander live from uh, stage there. And um, in fact, so many people have watched now the Canadian truckers and um, have been filled with hope because what is happening in Germany, I don't know if you're aware of that, we have um, these Monday walks because um, basically all public gatherings are prohibited. Um, people have started to do Monday walks that is in complete silence. And if they're being asked, it's not a protest, it's just a walk. But even in our local town here, we have about 300 people 
um, that do that. And it's estimated that about 2 million people in Germany do that every Monday at the moment. Uh, something that the press doesn't report about either. Uh, it's just the same narrative as anywhere else. It's just right-winged Nazis um, yeah, de <laughs> uh, 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 demantling our uh, dem democratic uh, structure. But um, uh, coming back to the truckers, it actually um, spread like wildfire in uh, the independent social media. And we now have um, truckers all over Europe that try to follow the example. And um, um, I remember um, a Zoom with um, uh, Professor Desmet uh, a few months ago when we asked him if um, he's a Dutch psychologist um, specializing. You did a, a wonderful interview with him as well, um, a conversation um, on uh, mass psychosis and mass psychology. And um, when he was asked who actually was not on a part of this COVID uh, saga at the moment, he said that it's basically not a matter of people's perspective in our times, but th that these people had been independent thinkers beforehand. And what's more independent than a trucker? I think um, you could have completely underestimated this group beforehand. Who would have thought that truckers would lead to this mass movement now, not lawyers or uh, the medical profession or any other profession for that matter, but truckers. So uh, next week, uh, in two weeks time, sorry, we're going to have a huge protest in Vienna um, and truckers um, are expected to come there from everywhere. And in two weeks, um, uh, we have truckers from all over Europe uh, trying to unite in Brussels. So we'll see what will happen with that. But uh, thanks to uh, all the wonderful people in Canada at the moment supporting the people, it's not about any um, uh, any destructive idea how it's being portrayed in the press if something is being uh, reported of there. But it's uh, all about empowerment. It's about freedom. And it's about freedom of choice, what we do uh, with our body. So I think these are aims that can be supported. And I hope it will spread as it did in Canada here in Europe. Well, Christoph, that was a great finish. I'll let that be the last word. Thank you so much for joining us on the McCullough Report. Thank you for all your work and good luck. Let's get real. Let's get loud on America Loud Talk Radio. This is the McCullough Report.